You are Locked On Boston College, your daily podcast on the Boston College Eagles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, welcome. This is Locked On Boston College. I am your host, AJ Black. Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. On today's show, we are going to dive into the end of the BC hockey season as they drop their NCAA hockey tournament game against St. Cloud tonight, 4-1. to And we're going to look at that game. We're going to talk about Pro Day, which happened on Friday. And then our final segment will be the news. We're going to kind of go out of order here because we really need to hit into this hockey game. So on Sunday evening, Boston College played their second, what would have been their second game, was a second round game against the St. Cloud Huskies, uh, who destroyed Boston University the night before, uh, 6-2. In this, with the chance of going to the Frozen Four on the line. Now, the game started off well. Matt Boldy scores a goal. Boston College goes into the first intermission 1-0. But then St. Cloud starts playing more physical. They control the neutral zone. Their forechecking was excellent. And it started to produce opportunities. In the second period alone, St. Cloud scored three goals and just completely took control of the game. And the really, the, the play of the game was that third goal for St. Cloud as they had one of their uh, wingers, you know, cr- crash in on the goal, score the goal, and then had a penalty. But that goal was it. And, you know, there was a seven-minute replay on that. And after that, BC just looked dead. Now, it was a disappointing loss to a season that was up and down. I mean, Boston College was number one in the in the country for a long time. They, you know, played really well. They won 17, 18 games, but they ended up the season with no Hockey East title. They did not finish the season with a trip to the Frozen Four. So that piece has to end sort of disappointing because we don't know after this round – if Spencer Knight will be back, if Matt Boldy will be back, if Alex Newhook will be back. You know, this could be the end of this group. And, you know, losing a Spencer Knight is a big deal because he clearly, you know, he's a Hobie Baker Award finalist and he played like that through most of the season. But there were some big issues with this team. You know, they got beat up physically. And this was the second game in a row that they got beat up physically because if you remember, Lowell basically kind of did the same thing. Now, I thought the analysts on ESPN did a nice job of explaining what uh, St. Cloud was doing that really frustrated BC. And that was that way they clogged it. They said it was, they were doing a diamond where they'd have a forward come in on the, on the puck carrier. He'd have two defensemen behind him and then one further back. So they had, you know, a forward and a defenseman and then another defenseman. And this system just every time BC tried to get it through the neutral zone, they'd get clobbered. And like, you know, there was good forechecking to keep them from being able to get any momentum going. And this, this just for this way that they played, the way that St. Cloud played, you know, BC went. I think it was like seven, fifteen minutes without a shot on goal. They just couldn't get anything going. So depressing loss. It was absolutely frustrating to watch because you thought Boston College was going to be a team that could get to the Frozen Four, but there clearly was some issues there. And I don't know if it, if this would have gotten any better with Logan Hutzko out there as well. 
but they needed something else. They needed something to make this team more complete, and they just didn't have it. And I saw fans online, and I get these losses are frustrating. Believe me, I, I you know, you want to see Jerry York get his sixth, you know, title, and you want to see BC be number one. But I saw people like questioning Boston College's heart. I saw them calling him soft. This was embarrassing. Cut it out. Like, really, this was not embarrassing. St. Clouds is a good team. They smoked Boston University the night before. And, you know, I'm not saying that BC should have played as poorly as, as BU did, but, you know, you lose to good teams. It happens. St. Clouds was a good team. They had that system that really has been an Achilles heel for Boston College. It has nothing to do with the player's heart. I'm kind of, I, And that kind of frustrates me because these kids bust their butts out there. They've done so much to get this season to go, to be safe. They get, you know, I, I know from the football team that they sacrifice a ton to be able to perform and then to have fans out there like calling them soft and all that stuff. It, it's, it's, it's a frustrating loss. Call it what it is. BC lost to a better team. That's all it is to it. And you can say all you want about the the players, and that that's just I don't think it's cool. I just it's not my style, um, and it, it was disheartening to see that. Um, and so you know, just think about that. Just think that I know you don't know St. Cloud State, and believe me, I'm not a, a hockey fan, but just watching what they were able to do and what they've been able to do the first two rounds of this tournament, they're a good team, and they're there for a reason. So. That's just be that's my little point of view about I'm not a big fan of attacking college athletes in general, but I when you question the heart of a team, that bugs me. So my little two cents on that. Well, the finals will be three Minnesota teams and UMass. So I don't know. I you know, do I want to see UMass win? No. Um, but I don't I don't particularly care for any of the other Minnesota teams either. I don't I don't know anything about them. The, the, you know, hockey's not my thing. I kind of follow it. I'm not, I'm not a diehard puckhead. But um, that being said, I just hope going into this offseason, I just hope Jerry York gets another chance uh, to 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 go for a title, to win the hockey East, to win it all, um, and to see who comes back for him next year. Um, I know he's got some interesting recruiting classes coming in and I can't wait to see who he has that will be joining up soon. So we'll find that out um, later, but before we do, we're going to get into the pro day stuff that we talked with Mitch Wolf of the brawl network. We have a two part interview with him. We talk about Hunter along today with him. And then on tomorrow's show, we will talk about everything else. So Max Richardson, Max Roberts, the kids from 2020. We give you all the, the lowdown on that. So I hope you enjoyed this interview. It was actually really good to do and um, like having Mitch on to talk with him. But before we get into that interview, we need to talk about betonline.ag. Are you into gambling? Do you like to put money down on bet- basketball, baseball, football games? Then you need to check out betonline.ag. BetOnline even covers award shows, TV shows, and reality TV. They get you covered for everything. Just head on over to their website or use their mobile device to sign up today. And when you use promo code LOCKEDON, you'll receive 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That means you put $200 down, they're going to give you 100 bucks in return. That's a win right there. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Now, we have some great podcasts on the podcast net- LOCKEDON Podcast Network. And 
I think one of my favorites has to be Locked On Today. Get more than sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Radio.com app or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Locked On Boston College. I am your host, AJ Black. With me today, I have Mitch Wolf of the Brawl Network. We've had Mitch on before to talk about Hunter Long and the Senior Bowl. He's here today to talk about Pro Day. This was an event that was held on Friday at the Fish Fieldhouse in Chestnut Hill, where 35 NFL scouts and personnel came to watch four 2020 Boston College players that are entering the draft and some of the former players from 2019 who will not be eligible to be drafted but may, may get a invite to camp. So, Mitch, how's it going? It's good seeing you, uh, talking to you again. It's great, AJ. I'm very happy to be back on. All right, so Mitch, let's get let's jump into this. What are some of the what's let's jump out and start talking about the event itself. What were some of the things that caught your eye about this event? Uh, so the first thing I would say, obviously, uh, we weren't really allowed to see much, so we kind of just have to go off the numbers and uh, what the players said and what we heard about what went on. But based on the numbers that got published, uh, I think Hunter Long really did a good job cementing himself as uh, tight end four in this draft class. So that would put him behind uh, Fryermuth of Penn State, Brevin Jordan of Miami, and of course, Pitts, right? Yeah, yeah, yep. So I, I think when we last we talked, I said he might be able to get up to tight end three. Um, people are kind of coming around a little more on Brevin Jordan. So I think Long has really cemented himself as a tight end four, probably going in the mid-third round range. Mid-third round. All right, so you, you get Hunter Long out there, and he performs. You saw some of the numbers that he he put up. And If you haven't already, you can go to BC Bulletin. I have um, – BC allowed me to use some of their graphic designs to talk to show off what they've done. Uh, they did a really nice job with that. What were some of the numbers from Hunter Long that stood out to you? So the first is, you know, kind of the basic one, 40-yard dash. So his two times were 4.63 seconds and 4.69 seconds, which uh, those are really great times, especially for such a big tight end. Uh, if you take the average of those, 4.66, that ranks in the 74th percentile of uh, tight ends that played in the NFL over the last 10 seasons, their 40-yard dash times. Um, I, would, I would say his broad jump was also very impressive at 10 feet, 2 inches. That was in the 82nd percentile. Um, although there were some drawbacks. So his short shuttle and three-cone drill, uh, which were 4.42 and 7.41 respectively, uh, were not super impressive, uh, especially the three-cone drill, which was in the 11th percentile. All right. So I, I feel like, you know, everyone knows what the 40 yard dash is. So let's take a step back. I'd love to get your perspective. Many people have watched the combine. They may have heard of some of the things, you know, like, of course, like the high jump or the vertical leap, broad jump, things like that. Mitch, why don't, can you kind of walk us through some of the different events and kind of what it tells NFL scouts about a player and just kind of just break that piece down first? Absolutely. So uh, the three cone drill, I'm going to start there because I think this is probably the, one of the most important drills. And uh, obviously a lot of our audience is from New England. So they're going to know that uh, Bill Belichick is a big fan of the three cone drill and the three cone drill, which is also known as the L drill basically requires players to uh, run around some cones in kind of an L almost like figure eight shape. And what this drill does is basically kind of tests your ability to, change direction fluidly and quickly. Um, and, you know, Hunter Long's time wasn't great, but I think because 
of his size at 6'5", 255 almost. It's not that bad because you don't expect a guy like that to be able to, you know, bend and dip and change direction super uh, fluidly and quickly. But uh, again, I don't think the time was catastrophic. Um, for the short shuttle, uh, this is, you, most people might know this, it's, uh, it's a 5-10-5, so you run five yards, touch the ground, run back 10 yards, and then run five yards again. And um, so that, again, that's kind of, that's measuring your short area quickness, your change of direction ability to stop, start on a dime. Um, and then the vertical jump, you know, obviously it's like, oh, how high can you jump? Cool. But that and the broad jump are both used to measure lower body explosiveness. So, um, you know, it's how, if you're crouched down, like how fast do you get out of your stance and get going? Um, so it's very important for defensive linemen. It can even be important for offensive linemen somewhat because it shows, you know, how, how strong are their legs and how quick do they pop uh, out of their stances. So, you know, some of these drills, you know, people can say, oh, like they obviously, they're running around in underwear. It doesn't really matter. But, you know, there are certain things that you can take away from them about the player's greater skill sets. So question about that. Uh, now I've been thinking, I've heard um, some different NFL personalities talking about how the combine in some of these events may go away. What is your perspective on that, Mitch? Do you think these would be something that will continue to be used or is this something like you know doing the vertical jump or the broad jumpers is something that is just too valuable for scouts that this stuff will never go away so i don't i think that the events themselves will never go away but maybe the drills might change i think i, I would imagine that you might be referencing the tweet from daniel jeremiah of nfl network a, a week or so ago basically saying that the 40-yard dash would eventually die out because we have tracking technology that you can attach on players and measure how fast they run in miles per hour, which I think that that is probably very true. On the other hand, though, I think that, especially with COVID, the events like the Combine, um, are, have, it's been shown like, how important they are because you know, we've had all these pro days these last few years, and I, I don't know, you know how bad BC was with this, but the, some of the numbers coming out of these pro days are absolutely ridiculous. Like every receiver is running a 4-3, like a high 4-3. It's, it's just nuts. So. You know, you have the combine, so you have a more uh, neutral, objective uh, look at some of these drills. Whereas, if you have all these pro days at certain schools or even at training facilities like the Exos Combine, where guys are just getting their numbers inflated uh, to cr you know, crazy levels. Okay, yeah, I, yeah. I think it was Dar Daniel Jeremiah that I saw that, but I saw a lot of people retweeting and, and having their comments on on the combine. Um, and I know if, if you're listening now and you weren't aware, the NFL combine this year was postponed or canceled because of COVID-19 concerns. So every school had specific players that were invited to do, I think, the combine set of workouts for, for, staff, uh, for, the, for NFL staff. And for BC, correct me if I'm wrong, Mitch, I think it was just Isaiah McDuffie and Hunter Long, right? That's correct. Yes. Yeah. And then the other ones could do the, they could do basically their pro day activities and, and put, uh, to, to, to do that kind of thing. So, yeah. And pro days are going to have pretty much all the same drills. So, you know, I saw some articles of like, these people got snubbed from the combine. It's like, well, there is no combine. So it doesn't really matter. You know, right, so exactly. The, the same staff are going to watch all these players. So. Exactly. So, you know, after the event, let's just stick with Hunter long for, for this piece, Mitch. Um, what did what what did you what struck you with some of the comments that Hunter said after and, and maybe even Jeff Halfley? What what did you get the impression after the event from both of them about Hunter Long's performance? 
the one thing that the one theme that was really uh, ran through both of them was talking about Hunter Long's uh, versatility in terms of ability to uh, be a blocker, but also be a receiver, and also his history of you know uh, coming from the Steve Adazio scheme where he uh, you know would maybe get a few targets a game, and then now this past year he was getting upwards of 10, 12 targets a game. Which Hunter mentioned himself, he's he basically saying like, hey, I've been in a run. Uh, heavy scheme where I was asked to be a blocker, but I've also been in this more pass-heavy scheme where I was a featured weapon as a receiver. And, you know, they both talked about that versatility. Um, in terms of what else they talked about, um, Hunter Long is an extremely buttoned-up player. Uh, his agents have trained him well. So, you know, on one hand, that's good to see. On the other hand, for people in the media like us, it's not as fun. But, you know, he, I did ask him, you know, have you been in touch with any other BC players like tight ends like Tommy Sweeney and Jake Burt? And he said he's obviously very close with both of them as he's played with both of them. And they've been really helping him through the process, just giving him some advice. And he also mentioned he has the same agency as AJ Dillon and they've uh, been actually living close to each other because they're training at the same place in California. And Mitch, I loved your question. I think you asked Hunter this. Uh, you were the one that asked him what his favorite route was. What did he say? So he said his favorite route is the stick and nod route, which um, that, that's a pretty common answer for a tight end. And for those of you who, uh, don't know a stick and nod route is basically a combination of a stick route which you know if you're a fan of the Cowboys uh, and Jason Witten or Julian Edelman they would tell you that's their favorite route you know run five yards kind of turn around find a soft spot in the zone what the stick and nod does is that the tight end runs that stick route where he kind of runs five yards and then fakes like he's going to turn around and then gets vertical and this is a very effective route in the red zone and Hunter mentioned that's how he was able to turn that uh, route into multiple touchdowns this year I can I think definitely the one I think it was the game winner or tire against Texas State might have been that route yep um, so yeah that is that is one of my favorite questions to ask receivers and tight ends because it gives you a sense of uh, what kind of player they are and how they like to attack defenses we're going to continue with Mitch um, on Wolf to, on to Tuesday's show to talk about the other players that were involved and other thoughts that Mitch had about pro day Mitch where can people find you on Twitter on Twitter, I'm at Mitchell T. Wolf. And where um, about and I'm, your site, too? Sorry. Oh, yeah. So uh, the Brawl Network, it's a sports media website. We're, uh, we're in the throes of the draft right now, obviously. We're churn, trying to churn out as many prospect profiles as we can. Um, I recently just published my scouting report on Hunter Long, uh, my, my official one, that is. And uh, I, so that's on the website. Uh, it's also on my Twitter, like I said, Mitchell, at Mitchell T. Wolf, W-O-L-F-E. Um, yeah, so you can find my work there. All right, Mitchell Wolf, we'll see you again tomorrow. Thank you. No problem. Thank you. Now, we have been telling you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market for a while now. Built Bar is the amazing, low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all the bars. Now, it's time to find out which Built Bar is the best. It is Built Bar Madness. Today's matchup is Caramel Brownie versus Coconut Brownie Chunk. Now, here's my thoughts on this one. I mean, you've been listening to me talk about Built Bar Madness for about a month now. I, I Coconut Brownie Chunk is my favorite. I, you know, with the, the combination of the chocolate on the outside with the chocolate chunks with a little bit of coconut, it literally tastes like a candy bar in like a really good one. And to get protein and not feel like garbage afterwards, give me that every time. And I, I can't, you know, every time I get an alert that they have a new one, 
uh, of the, the coconut brownies, I immediately hit order a new box because I don't want to get shut out on those. So he- what are your thoughts, though? Do you like caramel brownie? Head on over to BuiltBar.com or at bar underscore built on Twitter. Remember to use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off, off your next order. That is LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. And check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best-tasting protein bar. Now, another great Locked On podcast you want to check out, especially as we get closer to the NFL draft, is the NFL Locked On podcast, hosted by the Locked On NFL Draft Duo. The Draft Dudes podcast watches every prospect so that you don't have to. And on the Locked On NFL Draft podcast, it's your daily draft news and mock draft podcast. Follow Locked On NFL Draft and Draft Dudes on the Radio.com app or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Locked On Boston College, AJ Black, I said it on Friday's show, but if you have done our um, five-star Friday, I want to thank you. And I saw there must have been like five after I recorded Thursday's uh, episode for Friday that had uh, positive reviews. And I want to thank you, and I will get you on for our show. So if you don't know what uh, five-star Friday is, five-star Friday is my shout-outs to all the listeners that give me a five-star review on Apple iTunes. If you're listening to this podcast, all you have to do is head over to Apple iTunes, find Lockdown Boston College, give us a five-star, and then write a little review. Say, like, AJ's great. I love his podcast. It's my my daily go-to for BC sports. It helps us tremendously because I know a lot of you have written your chat like, how do we help support the podcast? This is one of the best things you could do. So Five Star Friday will be back again this week. Now, we went kind of crazy today. I went out of order. You know, if you've listened to Lockdown Boston College, I usually start the show off with the news, but with the big game for hockey, I had to start with that this game today. I had to. So we're going to go to the news now because there was so much news on top of all that that I didn't even get to yet. First of all, it was it was a poor weekend in BC sports. So you have that loss against St. Cloud. BC baseball, was they had a tough weekend against Clemson, losing three straight games against the Tigers and they had it and they, you know, they were in that, especially that first game. I think they were up by seven runs, ended up having Clemson tie it and then beat them in extra innings. Uh, and then they, they, they just go on to lose both ends of a double header on Saturday. The B- BC baseball's got to pick it up soon. I'm just telling you right now in, in the issue. And you've, many of you have brought it up to me and you're totally right. It's the pitching. You're not going to get far in this season with the pitching playing the way that they are. You know, you haven't had Mason Pelio really have much of a consistent outing at all this year. Emmett Sheehan has done one. And I have to say, if unless it's against, you know, your Merrimax or Holy Cross, this starting with the opener thing is not working. I don't know if they need to just start with Alex Stiegler as the starter but having your closer go out there and get pummeled and then bring in another reliever who also gets pummeled, it just doesn't seem like it's working. So I don't know. I don't know what Gambino needs to do to fix this pitching staff. If it's just the talent is struggling, if it's not there, if it's not the level that they need it to. I mean, Pelio is ACC preseason pitcher of the year. He's not pitching that way. Um, but they need to figure that out because the, the hitters are doing what they need to do to keep them in every game. Um, but getting swept by Clemson was not a good look. And, you know, they get, they, they'll have their midweek game again this week. And I believe they play Virginia tech uh, next weekend and they're playing very well. So 
BC's got BC baseball. They got to turn it around soon. Now basketball had a very busy weekend, and I've been writing basketball stories. I feel like all weekend long. So first of all, BC basketball has their first assistant coach, and people have been asking. And I, I, they hired him on Friday, or the news came out. I don't think they've officially hired him yet. Anthony Goins from Clemson. So all of you out there that have been jonesing for you know ACC level talent on the bench with them, Goins is good. And he was a big-time recruiter for Brad Brunel at, um, at, with the Tigers. Uh, I think this is a huge hire for BC. Um, and at, you know He knows Earl Grant from Grant's time at, at, at Clemson, so they know each other. He had um, a four-star, a couple three-stars, and I think that's really interesting. There's a former four-star, I think he was a top 100 recruit by some of the uh, record, uh, recruiting sites, four-star power forward Olivier Maxens Prosper, who entered the transfer portal. Goins was his main recruiter. So I don't know if there's a connection there that they could work with because, gosh, you could use some power forward, especially if you're going to lose A.J. Felder. Also, three-star guard Lucas Taylor was granted his reliefs as well earlier. You know, he'd be a true freshman, but again, guard um, that Goins also uh recruited to Clemson. So you have two guys right there that if they want to build onto their roster, that's ACC level talent right there. Um, and I think they need to do that because the other news was BC landed two freshmen over the weekend. One of them was Devin McLaughlin from uh, Georgia, who I've heard great things about. He's he's a forward, 6'7". He's a two-sport athlete that played tight end. Didn't have a huge offer list. And, um, you know... He averaged 18 points and 10 rebounds on a good conference in Georgia. Um, And I heard out of all the available players in Georgia, he was the top one available for uh, BC. So, you know, nice addition. I've seen people like, oh, you're not getting ACC-level talent. I I don't know if he's ACC-level talent, but I have to see the whole picture of what BC does before I can judge whether this was a bad deal or not. Like, if if, if McLaughlin is a role player or maybe he's a, um, a more of a developmental project and you bring some more polished guys in, maybe from the transfer portal. I have no problem with this, but if that's where you're topping off at is what Dex, uh, Devin McLaughlin can do. Uh, that's a bigger concern, but I'm not sure. So we need to wait. I kind of feel like I need to wait to hear what they do to bring him in. I know um, he's very close with Earl Grant and I talked to, I talked to McLaughlin and he's going to, you know, there'll be an interview with him on the site on Monday. So check that out. And then shortly after that, Kanye Jones, who had committed to Charleston uh, under Earl Grant flipped and committed to BC. So uh, he was a recruit, I believe from uh, central Florida. I think he was uh, Orlando and uh, good shooter uh, again, just just like with McLaughlin, I don't know much. You know, he's not a heavily recruited guy. Uh, Grant, when he originally got him at College of Charleston, uh, said that he you know got him because he's a he can shoot from the three levels on the f- f- court. That he's good on defense. So again, if these are guys that are you know complimentary, I can't complain. But if they're the big ones, then that's a that's a, might be a bigger issue. Um, but we'll have to see where where they go. I mean, BC's gonna have, they they've got like seven slots they gotta fill. So beggars can't be choosers. And you want some developmental guys. You do, you I mean, many of you have said it. You don't want a team full of transfers. So if you get a few guys that you can build off of, that's not a bad thing. Now, in terms of guys going out from BC, there's obviously Jay Heath and CJ Felder, and they both had busy weekends. Jay Heath. 
is gone. He is at going to Arizona State, uh, which will be good for him. I, you know, my biggest knock on Jay Heath was his defense. But it's a big knock on everyone on that team. I thought the defense was atrocious. But I, th- I thought Heath at times was really uh, – he really struggled on defense. And I thought he, some of his effort on the defensive end was um, was tough at points. Um, and Bobby Hurley at Arizona State, that's his bread and butter. So it'll be interesting to see if he can kind of complete Jay Heath's game um, and make him more of a rounded player. But good luck to Jay Heath. And C.J. Felder, he is possibly sounding sounding more and more like one of the top transfers in the country right now. I mean, he had visits with Xavier, Texas A&M, Florida, um, Arkansas, you name it down south, and they're, they're after him. So, I mean, I've already said it before on the podcast. I think he's gone. Um, but you know, he's, he's getting a lot of interest, so it'll be interesting to see where he ends up. And I'm sh- it sounds like, I mean, based on the amount of visits he's had, I'm sure he's going to probably make a decision soon on. So that's our news for today. Um, there was a, a lot of it, but I have, I, I've been told I have to keep my show under 30 minutes, um, just for continuity. So I got to cut it off now. If you do not already, please follow us at locked on BC. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. And I think I'm going to have an interest, uh, a fun announcement on tomorrow's show about another um, piece of our, our site that is going to be unveiled soon. So you're going to want to check that out. This is AJ Black. Thank you all, and I'll see you all again tomorrow.